1: Well, if you're in media, buy media or just consume media, you might want to sit down. With us today is New York-based media ecologist and founder of Media Village, Jack Myers. Jack was our lead in the second ever edition of MI3 back in 2019. Feels like an age, let me tell you. But even then, Jack was making some big calls on media automation, artificial intelligence and the future of relationship-based selling or a lack of it, perhaps. Jack has the knack of clarity in pinpointing where media is really at in its big cycle of change when most of us are distracted by the tactical demands of day-to-day business. When we last spoke, Jack was predicting by 2025 that 95% of all media transactions would be informed by media intelligence, 65% would be completely automated, and just 25% would remain relationship and ideas-based. It could, he said, impact half to three-quarters of of jobs in media and digital buying teams. Since then, retailer media, think Amazon, Walmart, and Target, selling their owned media channels and customers to advertisers, has rocketed. There's much to cover, so welcome back, Jack. An honor, and, Paul, thank you. Great to have you. Let's start with this automation thing that, you know, the big prediction that we, we talked about a couple of years ago, fascinating back then when we, when we talked. So how are media and agencies coping in the US at least uh, with that little trend, Jack? Is that 2025 prediction holding up from you?
0: Not only is it holding up, it's been accelerated. Uh, The reality of the pandemic uh, accelerated a number of trends that were already well in motion, but uh, the shift to machine learning, automation, programmatic has accelerated. And uh, the the 2025 uh, prediction for 95% of all media buying and planning being uh, informed by machine intelligence, uh, we're pretty much at the national and regional level there already. Sixty-five percent actually being completed and conducted through so automation. We're talking
1: four years. We're talking four years ahead of schedule here, Jack.
0: Four years ahead of schedule, absolutely. But the bigger concern is the shift in personnel at the agencies that you mentioned. which's a uh, large percentage of agency and advertiser jobs in media and advertising being impacted. And we're we're not necessarily seeing the jobs disappearing as much as we're seeing that senior level that those people who have have been in the industry for 15 years plus, 25 years plus, who had the real strong relationships with the media, they're disappearing as well, being replaced by an early stage team members in the business, you know, uh, one to five, six, seven years who are really now dominating in terms of the planning and buying decision making. They're not always at the point of sale, at the point of negotiation, but they're informing that. So the decision makers are no longer those senior touch points for the media sellers, those relationships that have historically been you know, the currency of the industry today, the currency is data. And that's being driven by uh, those uh, younger, t- newer team members who are head down into the computers.
1: So literally the, the completely different skill set then, Jack. It's not only a completely different skill set,
0: but a completely different type of person coming into the industry. So all of the major agency holding companies globally have acquired or built major multi-billion dollar research companies, Dentsu with Merkle, IPG, with Axiom and so on. And and those are the teams that are increasingly
1: informing the media planning process. So what happens there, Jack, in terms of these people, you say they're behind the scenes more, they're the data crunchers, the analysts, if you like, uh, that are informing perhaps what the front line are saying but essentially the front like puppeteers you're saying to the data specialists in the background is that what's going on i don't want to say puppeteers no, uh, that was a little bit dramatic say- wasn't it
0: yeah that well it was actually an interesting word because it, it it does kind of reflect the somewhat the reality uh i don't want to say the the final negotiations the actual pricing uh is being uh shifted because not because the agencies aren't prepared and and in fact doing that but because the sales organizations themselves haven't caught up uh they're 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 still operating many in many legacy ways so what we're seeing is a new wave of companies the trade desk uh, media math um Magnite and others uh who are uh, at least in the united states and and increasingly globally uh driving Uh, much more of the um, media transaction uh, happening within the computerized programming, programmatic models.
1: So do you think, Jack, are you saying that that media agencies are ahead of media owners in the the development and maturity or the adjustment and shift to a data-based media economy? Is that what you're suggesting here? No question about it. First of all, the agencies have access to their clients' first-party
0: data. And increasingly, the agencies see that as a client retention tool. Once the, uh, once the client first party data, the purchase data, the performance data goes into the databases controlled and owned by the agencies, uh, that's locked in. And the media companies as a whole uh, have not been able to build a standardized set of tool, uh, toolkits as much as they've tried here in the U.S., You have a number of media companies invested in something called OpenAP, a uh, a media-owned research uh, aggregation platform. You have Project Door, several cable networks coming together to aggregate data. But it's not in a place where the agencies are yet ready to import it into their own databases. So the media companies, in many instances, are in fact going into the negotiation blind. The agencies know, have clear data on what media most meets on a customized client by client basis, what meets their planning criteria most effectively. And the media companies uh, are coming in and all they really have that's currency, that's common currency, is here it's Nielsen and Comscore.
1: Right, and so this lack of coalition of the willing, if you like, or is it a lack of coalition of the willing on media side? Is the intent there, the execution is lacking? What are they not doing that's landing uh, with the buy side uh, effectively enough at the moment, Jack? What is there more aggregation required, more, more alliances, or better execution on, on a data set?
0: You know the media sellers are in somewhat of a lose-lose proposition. You have companies like uh, NBCU, which has major assets across linear media, uh, cable and broadcast, digital media uh, across multiple platforms. They have the part the the ownership by Comcast, which has first-party user data in terms of TV viewing. They have addressable capabilities, uh, and and they're doing. Probably as good a job as anyone in the uh, legacy media industry to uh, create a competitor, if you will, for uh, Facebook uh, and Google, which have their data sets already embedded at many of the agencies and in those systems. But because NBCU, even as wide, as deep and wide as they are, are just a subset of the total uh, media inventory availability pool. And therefore, uh, the agencies have no real reason to import their data to look at NBCU when they have data from their own systems and services that tell them what their opinion is of the NBCU inventory. So they're not going to use NBCU. Now, you know, everyone in the television business and in the media, the legacy media business, and even the non-legacy are trying to compete more and more with Facebook and Google and YouTube. That's a losing proposition because those databases have, have been imported now for almost a decade into the agency's pool systems and pools. And the clients are already often using that uh content themselves, that, that data themselves because they're using those platforms for commerce, which leads us to the conversation you mentioned about uh the Amazons
1: and the commerce right. space. Right. And we're gonna to get to that. I just want to get I want to I don't want to let you go though on, on what you see as the future of a say a media sales organization or a media sales team it seems like sales skills uh, are not far away from being if they haven't already been usurped by you know data and and sort of a, a much more of a crunchy uh, analytics based conversation than the art and skill of selling uh, jack and relationships
0: well the art and skill of selling has always been built on relationships and relationships are in their historic sense of one to one are disappearing so the relationships where you go to conferences and conventions and to CAN and, you know, uh, CES to meet and uh, come together with the client and buyer community where the industry can come together and the meetings and, in, you know, in the U.S., the upfront presentations where there are parties and gatherings, uh, even online, the traditional place where buyers and sellers might gather through the trade press, uh, it's all disintegrating. It's all being disintermediated. So when an industry, when the technology changes, and at the same time you have a cultural shift uh, from the more senior legacy individuals who have historically been white male shifting to a new cult, not just technologically moving to new skill sets, but through a new cultural uh, foundation that's more diverse um, and younger with different skill sets. you've got to reinvent the way you communicate. You've got to reinvent what you communicate and how you communicate it. And that's where buyer, the, the clients and the agencies, uh, the agencies have adapted to meet their clients' new needs. The clients don't need to adapt; they've already changed, and have become much more focused away from media and advertising. Is even something that's in their, in their on their radar screen for the mm-hmm. most part. It's, it's just become a, a very small part of their priority. Yet the sales organizations, for the most part, continue to operate in very legacy legacy models. So relationships. Are not going away. They're just changing dramatically, and the the for the most part, the media companies are still trying to hold on to the legacy uh, operational models, and those are nev- are not going to drive them. Now I, I will tell you, Paul. For the first time this year in our research related back to the data and analytics, we, we we're seeing the what may be the beginning of a new trend, because what we saw. The magazine, companies like Hearst, smaller uh, standalone television companies that, that have a strong brand equity with unique data about their customers uh, and, and the ability to connect in and of themselves their own data, first-party data, uh, with really interesting insights. So that seems to be gaining traction both at the agency level and at the client as being more relevant. When we ask them who is developing research and, and data and analytics that are relevant to your needs, we get a very different answer than we say who's developing data and analytics. The relevance of it when it's big data, they have that at the agency and at the client. What they don't have are unique insights
1: that help them make small decisions. That could be a game changer. What we're seeing, it's interesting you bring this up, Jack, because obviously some of the conversation we're seeing as a a sort of the fallout from uh, post-cookies, post-third-party cookies, is that a lot of talk here in this market, at least in Australia, is about because behavioural targeting gets so so crimped uh, as a result of cookies that the, the relationship directly between advertisers and publishers becomes much more important because the open market, open exchange buys on behavioural starts to shift. And to your point, there is some, some of the publishers that in this market at least are getting uh, first party data and, and bringing that together uh, with the insights and behavioural insights uh, from, from their own base is is something they're saying is a big opportunity and could be uh, could could move that way post cookie. Your thought on that, your thoughts on that.
0: Well, let me say for the first time that I've said it and and I think also the first time that I've heard it, we may be seeing in media and advertising a shift in prioritization from big data to small
1: data. Elaborate, please.
0: <laughs> small data being insights that if the industry is going more and more to transactional commoditization and looking at advertising in in the gestalt as more of a top of funnel model, and then the commerce players, whether it be Facebook, Google, Amazon, Walmart, and so on, are driving that bottom of funnel. And then in between, you have that middle of funnel where you're looking for the creative opportunity. The opportunity to reach a smaller audience, but to stand out among them. If an if a media company can come to you with a rather than multiple terabytes of data, a piece of data that informs a, a small budget decision and says, "Here's a part of the market that you're missing," All right? And here's a unique opportunity to reach them through our channel. That takes you into a whole conversation about the need for custom creative and a number of other things. But those that I'm just saying the earliest stage of data that suggests that that type of small data, that those small insights that can help inform a creative media decision is more valuable to these younger, more data centric media buyers who also are being told, you got to put something in there that's creative. You got to give us something unique. Every agency is looking at the same data pools. They're looking at, but what are we? What can we take to our client that's unique, that's differentiated?
1: Well, this is the great irony, isn't it, Jack? It's a great irony. And to your point, we will hopefully we'll get to the creative side of it because you've got some big thoughts and big views on how, in fact, creative and creative agencies may be holding everything back on the media side. So hopefully we might get there. But it does uh, sort of point to this whole this whole notion around whether you, everyone's using the same data. Everything's, data commoditizes if you don't have something different. So even though it might be scalable and efficient, if everyone to your point has got the same data and they're all doing the same stuff, Everyone's doing. this, There's no differentiation anywhere. So, can that small data, as you talk about it, and I still I'm holding to the the, the pronunciation data, not data, Jack.
0: Well, I'll go with data and schedule, just to okay. yes, be exactly.
1: respectful of That's your audience. Right. Can this small data though be uh, ingested at scale to all these to to the to the data analysts and the, and the big systems that are looking for big scalable sort of Applications and executions, how does that fit with a, how does the micro fit with the sort of the macro trend of scale? That is the key question. And I think, and if
0: those specialised content brand focused media organisations like the, the print originated media, the Hearsts, the Condonasts, even the local newspaper uh, companies can't come to their, to the industry with a unique proposition they're going to get squeezed out if they try to play in the commodity transactional game they're going to have to dramatically scale back their costs their overhead and just drive numbers it's it's the old story you know we are we're, we're growing exponentially but we're losing you know money on every sale You can't both invest heavily in content, expensive content and compete in that marketplace. If you're on on the media and inventory sales side, you're pushing yourself where the only thing that you're measured by is how many eyeballs you offer and then dependent on someone else's data to uh, tell you. Uh, Who
1: that audience is? I heard you say data. Then, by the way, I heard that. Well done. Let's get let's get to this really interesting because it does knock into this this the older of us would call above the line versus below the line, or what modern (laughs) what now might be brand and performance media um, and retail media. So there's this whole convergence here. Now you're seeing we see it from afar. Uh, that you know, retail media in, in, in Australia is really starting to bite. It's just happening now, but gee, the U.S. it's taking off, and that's got a big implication. You're seeing some quite significant um, hits uh, to the, the the sector as a whole because of what Amazon, Walmart, Target, and so forth are doing. Um, have I read that right? You've read that not
0: only right, but underestimating how far along it is in the United States. I would say that. On a scale of of one to ten, right now, in, t- front, in terms of where it is today versus where where it's headed, maybe we're at one and a half or two. Uh, the Amazon, Walmart, uh, Target, and it's Roundell Media reimagined by Target. Uh, almost all the major retailers, uh, the, the the drug chains, Walgreens and and CVS, the uh, increasingly the the grocery chains, the supermarkets are building their online operations their online is increasingly important to them and the vendors the suppliers the manufacturers the marketers are coming to them and saying we want you to sell our product we want to put it onto your online and into your retail operations and the retailers are in turn saying that's fine it's great but you've got to invest x amount of money in our Online advertising availabilities. Now, this is as old as yeah. retailing and as old as media. You know, the idea of the vendor paying for uh, media drove the newspaper industry forward. The vast majority of major newspaper advertising, retail advertising, was not funded by the retailer, it was funded by their their suppliers, their manufacturers, you get your, whether it's your, you know, you get your shopper tucked into the newspaper or in in the mailbox or now increasingly online. And that shopper, you see, you know, this product on sale, uh, you know, Charmin or Love's on sale for, uh, you know, this week only, that's because the the supplier, the P&G or the Unilever has paid for that inventory for that media opportunity. And that's now extending to online. It's extending into video. Uh, You see, Amazon has not yet done this, but it's on the cusp of happening where you're going to begin seeing advertising when you watch Amazon video content. Uh, I fully expect Netflix to find a path into that within the next five years.
1: So the money's following, though? The money is following the retailers, then? You know,
0: historically, you,
1: you, we, we've talked for a long
0: time about above and below the line, the above the line being traditional advertising, the below the line being promotion, PR, sales promotion, direct marketing, uh, email or, or mail, direct mail. These were all below the line. Facebook and Google, YouTube, we're the first ones to really pull below-the-line money up into the above-the-line uh, category. So advertising has looked for the past decade like a growth medium where the only growth was to Google, Amazon, and and Facebook. And you, you pull that out, and advertising has been either flat or slightly declining year after year. Uh, so now we continue to see the advertising, you know, we're looking at 4 to 7% growth potentially this year. Almost all of that, again, will be going to Facebook, Google, and now Amazon Target, uh Kohl's, Kroger, and and the other
1: retailers. So we can add a a big macro category of retail media that's tracking the same sort of growth uh, trajectory as Google and Facebook. Is that what we're talking about? I think faster. Wow. And the market's responding now.
0: There is no choice but for the market to respond because the manufacturers, especially CPG, consumer packaged goods, is forcing the decision that way because that's how they sell their product into the retailer.
1: Are agency groups are in the US building retail divisions or capabilities? We don't have that here yet. It's still very much they're going direct in in, in, in the early phases now, at, the, at this moment at least. Well, the holding companies
0: all have promotional outlets. They also all have you know, what we may or may not call barter or trade, which is also a growing factor where manufacturers use their unsold inventory or out-of-date inventory or whatever to buy media time through third-party brokers. We've got a lot of trends that uh, the holding companies are understand this, they relate to this. What they haven't done and they're going to have to do is find a path toward integrating their divisions to provide those types of services and enable their their media partners or media agencies to integrate those capabilities
1: let's go to your your big curly uh observation jack uh about the creative agencies and 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 creative actually holding back perhaps even the media sector because the messaging uh, the quality of messaging may not be matching the quality of the environment that 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 advertisers can can Find themselves and will pay for.
0: Consumers have made a choice. It's clear that consumers prefer advertising free content whether it's uh, subscription video on demand, whether it's through the DVR uh, or whether it's through platforms like Netflix and others that are ad free. When they have a choice between an ad free and a, or an ad limited or a non-ad uh, a large a large percentage are opting for the advertising free content uh where one of the reasons that youtube has been such a successful platform is that the brands are creating original youtube content they may be inserting traditional ads into a lot of videos but what they're also doing is they're funding uh you know they're funding influencers Uh, They're funding unpacking videos uh, for some of the fashion retailers and others, Uh, demonstration videos. I know my grandson's uh, YouTube is one of their primary sources to learn about uh, new products in certain categories that, uh, that they might be interested in. Legos, it's an extraordinary platform. When you search Legos on YouTube, you get hundreds if not thousands of demonstration videos. They may not necessarily all be funded by Legos, but they're an incredible marketing vehicle. And the creative agencies continue to be locked into the 32nd commercial that depends on invading the home as opposed to being invited into the home. We know that more and more categories are, are moving in that direction. The creative agencies need to understand how to be in that business.
1: So, what's the answer? <laughs> what's the solution? Well, here?
0: there's only two solutions: either the creative gets better.
1: So, the creative gets better in the existing formats. You're saying, uh, Jack. So, it's got to be better in the existing formats that we have now.
0: Better creative in the existing formats and new formats.
1: Right. And where does now? The- now
0: we've talked about that. That takes you into a conversation of branded content. That's right. not what I'm talking about. Right. We're talking about advertising that consumers use and want to see, or when they see it, at least it fits within the environment. Uh, Networks like Home HGTV and the Food Network here are examples of where you see a lot of endemic advertising that relates to the content. The vast majority of media brand, media content brands now do not have that clear a personality that advertisers can connect their message to the content. So you've got a lot of, you've got convergence of a perfect storm that is leading to increasing destruction of the advertising business. And we're not seeing from the media companies or from the creative agencies or from the media agencies a sufficient recognition of that danger to respond.
1: And so what becomes if they don't? I know you've said, look, they're going to be extinct and, you know, people, those executives that have been around too long and haven't adjusted, they're gone in, you know, a couple of years. What what does the next couple of years look like if that scenario uh, doesn't shift? Extinct is too strong a word. We have to look at it like the printed word.
0: You know, it's still, print is still a, books, people still read books. Text, text still lives. But it's not the primary form of communication anymore we need to recognize that there are new forms of communication they are they're digital they're online they're mobile new forms are on the horizon whether it's uh ar or vr or uh other types of technology uh that will be introduced and they're going to need a new version and vision for the creative they're going to require i think you know, that, that recog- if you're a media seller today, you, you're in the position of making a decision whether you're going to go into the commodity bucket or you're going to try to build a, a strong core brand that gives you premium value to a select group of advertisers and then to target them and work closely with them and partner with them. Uh, it, it's, you know, it, it, you get that in sports. You know the u.s open is a very select or or the australian open uh the french open they're very select high value propositions uh sports overall has that same value uh if you're a commodity trader then like a you know like a large package store you better have the lowest prices and you better have you know whatever people want you better be able to offer it to them and you better be able to find your penny or two margins in each transaction. And if you don't have that, then you better be able to create value where you have $100, $150, $200 uh, or $1,000 or pound uh, a profit on every transaction.
1: Jack, I'm trying to get a sense from you on uh, what could be impacted as a result of the sort of the big regulatory moves uh, um, around the world, both on at a competition level or you guys call it antitrust, but competition, but also more importantly, privacy. And so this whole, there's a whole digital uh, system that's um, digital advertising system that's sort of been around for, you know, as we know, 15, 20 years around cookies, which has allowed, you know, essentially uh, you, you can sidestep consent. People don't know what, what's going on with their data. That's now starting to, you know, get some traction. it's really interesting watching Apple try and wedge Uh, Google and Facebook, if you like, on the privacy front. And I don't know whether it's getting any traction uh, at a consumer level in the US, but you can see the strategic play happening now where basically Apple's trying to (laughs) pincer Google and Facebook together in one move, and it's fascinating to watch. But there is a whole advertising industry that's been set on the assumption that you can track uh, without too much disclosure or, or, or consent. That's changing, and when we see what happens when you do give consumers people the option to say, don't track me, i.e. The, the iOS update, you know, we're sitting somewhere between 10 and 15% of people saying, yes, you can track me. 85, 90% of people are saying, no, don't. That's got some really big implications for the entire system, including marketers and advertisers who have flown that strategy. Is there a big day of reckoning coming or is it just going to be a slow evolution into, okay, we've got to shift? Is a drama ahead? Well, there there are a lot of people who are much more
0: competent to answer that question than I I am. But my sense is that it's going to be less of a day of reckoning than you're suggesting it might be. Uh, That the industry will adapt. The databases that are being used are increasingly first-party data. That there will, yes, there'll be some media companies and marketers and agencies that are challenged uh, by those realities. But I also think that those are not the biggest issues to be addressing right now
1: uh, for the industry. Two more questions, Jack. What's the most sort of future ready or savvy media company in the US at the moment and why? Disney,
0: Mm -hmm. Walt Disney Company, because they're organized and structured to uh, enable their partners, not advertisers, but partners, to work in tandem and, in, uh, and, and synchronously across all of their platforms, whether it be the media platforms, the parks, uh, online, and create fully turnkey integrated programs uh, that include a, an, often a commerce component uh in the parks or wherever uh their sales organization while less structured to do day-to-day business than some of their competitors are, is more structured to work closely with brand marketers.
1: And that's working for them? It is,
0: it's like, are they? According to our research, it appears to be working for them. Now, a number of people would think, again, taking, you know, you could also look at a company like Trade Desk, which is purely transactional. And if you consider them a media company, they'd also be very well positioned. And the number one media sales organization today is Amazon. Right. You know, I'm I'm looking at more of the legacy media brands, and a number of people consider NBCU because they've been the most proactive in moving in the data space and uh, being innovative in their more legacy media sales areas and trying to build um Competitive operations and have been somewhat successful at it but moving in a very different direction than Disney.
1: So the final words uh, from Jack Meyer around what advice would you give to both uh, those on the media owner side Jack in in sales and in strategy and planning and so forth and product? what would you say to them about their careers and what they should be doing in terms of keeping up and what they should be skilling up on and the same for the for the for the agency side? and same for marketing. So there's three parts there for for media owners, agencies and marketers. Uh, For those emerging uh, leaders and talent, what, what do you say?
0: Absolute priority to build a more diverse organization uh, more multicultural, bring in different skill sets, bring in uh, veterans and professionals from other business categories that are more data-centric, more financially driven, bring in uh, professionals who come from the procurement space to really understand uh, the the financial realities that are driving the brand marketers. And uh, the fact is that Media advertising at P&G 30 years ago, today's brand manager was called an advertising manager. They spent an, about 60% of their time on advertising and 10 to 12% of their time on media. Today, the average brand manager spends 10% of their time on advertising and 2% on media. It's just not a priority. They they have other priorities, the commerce and e-commerce issues, environment, uh, global issues, distribution issues, uh, that are much more of a priority. And they're seeding uh, advertising and media to their uh, in-house agencies, to their agencies, And the media companies themselves are being increasingly disintermediated from the decision-making process. So they're only, unless, number one, be more diverse, bring in a younger, more uh, team that has more focus in being able to be one-to-one with the agency. And number two, if you don't have a brand... Uh, a strong brand equity that in, and data that enables you to differentiate yourself and relate to specific group of core clients for premium sales opportunities, and you're, you don't have the sufficient size or scale uh, to be uh, competitive in the commodity uh, transactional business, then you better really think long and hard about who you consolidate with and or, or what you acquire, or uh, what business you're in.
1: Uh, two agencies, same the same question.
0: Agencies, I think, are there. By having purchased, acquired, and and built uh, strong data operations, uh, but I would say the holding companies uh, need to begin reintegrating uh, across their capabilities and platforms. The, the The holding companies have everything they need in-house. Uh, They just need to move away from their decision to separate and increasingly centralize and and build teams that can Put together all of their capabilities and assets and put them together on behalf of clients
1: but but agencies still they they don't have access to, to the first party data other than the axioms and you talk about but in the main it's their client data which the client clients are trying to ring fence and put a motor around because they don't want to share uh, and then you've got the media sellers on the other side with the customer data and what we see here at the moment is there's a lot of push from the agencies to get that 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 customer data direct from from media owners that's their next little gold mine is trying to get that data So there's still something there from from the media owners that the agencies want that the agencies don't have yet as much as what they'd like at least.
0: Merkle's and Axiom's and others that the clients are increasingly sharing their first party data with the agencies and depending on the agencies to convert their first party data into media decisions. Uh, Whereas the media data that's being aggregated and pooled and available is first party viewer data. And if if you already have the client data knowing what's driving the consumer, you know, that
1: data is increasingly irrelevant to you. Fair point final one to market is what are you what are you seeing the shift in skill sets and you've, you've talked about it. its very small amount of time on media and advertising now but what are brand marketing teams uh, what does the future leaders look like there
0: I would say you know my business is focused on short form online learning. Uh, focused on media marketing and advertising, targeting the brands and the agencies who are increasingly uh, disassociated from media. And when they do need knowledge or insight or intelligence, they have no place to go for it. We've built meetingprep.com as a resource for brand marketers to uh, get short form online uh, on-demand learning. Uh, so, I, I think that's a shift that's that's sailed in terms of trying to get the brand product managers, the procurement people more engaged and involved in advertising and media.
1: It's not, not going to happen, you reckon?
0: Not going to happen, except for the very big ideas that companies like Disney or, or the National Football League or uh, other very specialized uh, resources can bring to the uh, media resources can bring to the table. For the most part, the media and advertising business has to find new ways of adopting uh, to to a reality where their core clients, the core funding for their business comes from people who fundamentally uh, spend very little of their time and have very little interest in uh, where they spend that money and how they spend it. and they're leaving it up to uh, disintermediators.
1: And, and you've reinvented your own business, Jack, as a result of all this crazy change, right? So, what Media Village looks like what now?
0: Well, you know, we started out as a as a research company, and and then in the uh, early part of, uh, in in you know, ten years ago, we built we shifted to an R and D to say media is declining in revenues. What are the growth? Tracks and what what we learned is that media and advertising among the top 15 industry ranks last or near last in in two critical categories. One is online education for your stakeholders; those stakeholders being your your clients and your uh, team members and potential team members, students and others. And uh, and then the second uh, is uh, so you have online learning and education. And then recognizing that your new, uh, your audience, your new stakeholder is is, diver- is more diverse. Uh, so you better start diversifying your organization. So we've built the tool, the toolkit uh, for media advertising supported media companies to build their, uh, we build because they're their online learning center and we build their diversity uh rec- talent recruitment and retention programs they are they really intersect uh, more and more and and that's where we're making the bet that if you uh, if you're the number 13 14 or 15 ranked industry uh, in two critical categories for growth educate online education and a diverse workforce, uh, we're making our bet that
1: being the leader in, in those two areas is a winner. I probably think you're onto a winner there, Jack Myers. And as usual, it's always a fascinating conversation with one of the, well, in fact, the only media I know. I'll get your autograph next time I see you, I have to say. Great talking, Jack, and and, and thanks for the perspective uh, on the U.S. No doubt what we uh, what happens in the U.S. Uh, Australia tends to follow pretty quickly. So we've got the next 12 months sorted out for us. Thanks to Jack Myers. Good to talk, Jack.
0: I hope to be back in two years and take a look at where we are then. Yeah, that's right. Great. Great to talk. Thanks, thanks for to it. Always a pleasure, joining. Paul. Thanks for inviting me.
1: This MI3 audio edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer.